in 2013 a nature's child rose up and made us all fall in love with her teardrops and twinkling toes. She came from nowhere and was early on a favorite to win for Denmark according to the betting odds. What did this victory mean for her? How much of a Eurovision fan is she and would she like to take part again? But the most important thing of all we need to know, who is the flute guy and is he single? You are listening to Eurovision Legends with me, Emil Lövström, the flute fanatic. Welcome to Eurovision Legends, Emily the Forest. Tack. How is everything with you? Oh, everything is uh, good. I just um, went for a long walk. It's snowing here in Denmark, finally. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that makes me really happy. And now I'm just sitting here at home, practicing some guitar and trying to get as much done from home work-wise and walk every day. Before we talk about your druid dancing in 2013, I would like yeah. to warm up with some non-druid-related quick questions. Okay. Are you ready, my barefoot friend? Yes, I'm so ready. Best song from Denmark in Eurovision, besides her own? Um, Dansevisen, I would say, who won in, oh, was it 1963? Exactly. Yes. Worst song from Denmark in Eurovision? <gasps> I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. Maybe something from the 80s. <laughs> But I can't mention one. Who should have won Eurovision but didn't? Um. Oh my god, I don't remember her name, but there was like this amazing girl who came second from Russia, actually the year that Mons won. Ah. I don't remember her name, but she sang with so much emotion and just a look in her eyes and her voice, she was fantastic. Polina Gagarina, yeah. Yes. Oh, and the Australian girl, Dami Im, was pretty amazing as well. Who should not have won Eurovision but did? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't want to hate on other artists because I think we get enough hate. From, I don't know, the public and the press and people with opinions. So I think we have to stick together. So I never say anything bad Great about answer. anyone else. <laughs> Favorite country in the contest besides Denmark? Um, Sweden. Who do you want to see participate for Denmark next year? Hmm, I don't know. Someone who can bring your vision back to Denmark again. <laughs> last question. When did you last watch your performance from 2013? Oh, I've never watched it. You haven't? No. I mean, maybe I've seen like little recaps, but I, I hate watching myself. So. <laughs> you were born in 1993 to a Danish mother and a Swedish father. Yes. How was your childhood? 
it was pretty good. Uh, I I grew up in a small town uh, called Maya and with my mom and my brother and um, all my mom. My mom is like the youngest out of eight siblings. So like a ton of aunties and uncles and cousins. And then my dad lived on Adelsu, uh, which is like an island outside of Stockholm. And uh, we would go there quite often. So I, I grew up in Maya, but also in Stockholm. And I had my older siblings there, a, a brother and two sisters in Stockholm. So, you know, holidays, vacations and stuff, we spent uh, a lot of that in Sweden. So I feel very much at home in, in Stockholm and in Sweden as well. And music became a part of your life early on, I understand. How come? Uh, I've just always been singing. I guess I was like that annoying kid who always <laughs> wanted to perform and sing a song at family parties and like gatherings. And um, and also I went to a school with a lot of uh, music and acting. Um, it was a private school and um, we just played music all the time. And uh, several times a year there was like a place where all the classes had to like act together and and make it play and 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 perform so we were like dragged on stage constantly for like 10 years i went there from um from i was six years old till i was 16 so in 2013 you entered the danish pre-selection melody grand prix with a song composed by julia farbren jacobsen thomas stengard and lisa kable mm. And Lisa Kabler has participated as a composer three other times in Eurovision. Do you know which songs she wrote? Uh, yes, I do. Um, at least uh, two of them. So, Framols to Skane. And I think that came in fifth place. Yeah? Yeah, I thought it was top five. And that was in late the late 90s, right? 1995. Oh, mid-90s. Framols to Skane. And uh, and then New Tomorrow by Friend in London. Yes. In 2011, and I think that came number five, right? Yes. And um, I followed your vision very much that year, and it's fun because Lisa wrote it with uh, my boyfriend Jacob that I've been with since yeah 2013, so almost eight years. But uh, he wrote that song with Lisa. Yeah. So yeah. Come on. Last time was with Love is Forever in 2019. Right. Love is forever. Love is forever. And everyone. Love is forever. Love is forever. And everyone. Just a taste of love. A taste of what could actually work. How come they offered you the song Only Teardrops? Well, it's a funny story. I try to make it short. Well, my my I had a friend who had participated in a, a Danish talent show, so she knew some people from Denmark's radio and I went to an audition. Well, not really. Actually, they were auditioning um, the judges for X Factor. So they just needed some test singers to see who were the best judges who would function best on TV together. So it was actually uh, the judges who went for an audition. So I was just there to sing. Yeah. And then they, they wanted me to be on X Factor as well, but 
I didn't want to do that because, I mean, X Factor is entertaining, but it's also very much about the judges, I feel like, and all the drama and all the cover songs you have to sing for several weeks. So I told them that I wanted to be in the Eurovision instead, and then they gave me the email address of the guy that later became my manager. So I contacted him, sent him some of my music, and he said, uh, come into my office on Monday. I have this song called Only Teardrops, and I think it would be perfect for you. So that's how it happened. And yeah, so sadly, I didn't write it myself. I think it was written for the German national selection a couple of years before, and it didn't make it through. And um, But I had the music I'd written and, and, and toured with as a teenager was very much this Celtic style. I'd had a duo with uh, a Scottish musician from Glasgow named Fraser Neal. And um, this was just very much that same vibe. So it just felt right to accept the song, even though I didn't write it. But we uh, made a demo and sent it in, and then I was told a couple months after, I think, that we had made it. <laughs> we were in the national selection, so that was pretty great. Do you know any more artists they presented a song for? Um, not someone I know personally, but I know they tested a few other singers on it as well. You don't know who sang on the demo when you first heard it? Oh, yes, uh, Julia, who was one of the writers, okay. sang it. Uh, and it was a very different demo and uh, I mean the track I think there was like um, bagpipe <laughs> instead of the flute so yeah you don't still have this demo somewhere maybe on my old computer the sky's red tonight we're on the edge tonight no shooting star to guide I for an eye, I tear each other apart. Please tell me why. Why do we make it so hard? Look at us now. We only got ourselves to blame. It's such a shame. How many times can we win and lose? How many times can we break the rules between us? Only teardrops. How many times do we have to fight? How many times do we get it? Was this the first time you were asked to participate in a contest or had you made some attempts before? No, never. This was the first time, so it was pretty overwhelming. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been singing my whole life and uh, performed a lot, but never on TV. I, I started out in this duo with Frasia that I mentioned earlier, Yeah. but we played like small festivals, small gigs and like, um, you know, stuff like that at pops and... Um, I had never performed on TV before, so to deal with press and um, in-ears and <laughs> cameras, I'd never done that because, yeah, I guess that most people who participated in the Eurovision, I mean, it's not always like that, but I guess most have had a career before, or like done idols or I don't know, um, performed on TV, but like this was my first time, so um, I really wasn't satisfied with my performance for the Danish selection, but I mean, it went pretty well, I guess. <laughs> Ten songs were picked to compete in the final by the Danish radio DR. Do you remember mm. your competitors? Yeah, I think I remember most of them, actually. Um, and we talked in between breaks and, it, you know, we did a lot of press together in the days before the final. So, um, so yeah, I do. 
a twice-rejected song from the Swedish pre-selection Melodifestivalen was among these ten songs. Can you guess which one it was? Huh. And it was rejected twice? Yeah. I know that Thomas Gieson had a song in the competition that year. Could it be that one? Because I remember he was there. Yes, We Own the Universe was the song, and when it was sent to the Swedish pre-selection, the artist Mio sang it. And this what it sounded like. I can see in your eyes, there's love eyes. We're building inside. We're the only ones tonight. The only On the night it was performed by the Danish bubblegum group Days that had a short mm-hmm. career in Europe with the hits Superhero and a song about a Tamagotchi. Were you too young to have them had as idols? If I have to be honest, <laughs> I never heard about them before the competition. So, too <laughs> Sorry, young for guys. a Tamagotchi too then? Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I didn't know, but I understood like they had a big hit and it was like a big deal that, you know, when I met them, but I, I know, I didn't know them before, <laughs> before that. Of these 10 songs, three was picked to go through the super final, and it was you, Simone and Muhammad Ali. There and then, Emily, who did you think would win? Um, I actually, I mean, they're both great. Uh, I remember Simone... Uh, won a talent show called Seed Nadine when she was a kid and released quite a few albums and Mohammed was an X-Factor and he had such a strong song. Uh, I know the guy, uh, Peter Bjornsko, who was one of the writers and uh, I actually thought that Mohammed and his song would win. It's a really, really good pop song. With a seven-point margin you won and became the representative for Denmark in Eurovision, what happened after this victory? A ton of things. I remember uh, that whole week after, it was just press tour. So just traveling around, um, doing press and several interviews and TV shows and then um, preparing um, for Malmö and again doing a lot of press I think quickly uh, we realized that I was the favorite and I guess you just have to I guess that everyone wants to talk to you so we just had to kind of do that and, and, and just do as much press as possible and um, I had a few gigs in Denmark and also which was like I think it's great that we did it but it was also super stressful um, the people I work with, my manager uh, and uh, my label, I got signed to Universal in April, I think. So like uh, a month before Eurovision in, in Malmö. And so when I won in January, all of February, we just uh, wrote and wrote. I was in a ton of sessions uh, with some really good writers and producers. And we uh, wrote my album, Only Teardrop. So we spent 
of February doing that and a bit of March and then uh, it needed to be finished, you know, uh, all the productions and mixing and everything, recording, and that was finished, I think, in early April. Um, so I would have an album ready if I'd actually win the Eurovision, yeah. which everyone said that I would do at the time. So we knew that there would be a lot of traveling and press afterwards and it would be good to have an album and another single ready. So yeah, that's what I did. How many times can we win and lose? How many times can we break the rules between us? Only teardrops. How many times do we have to fight? How many times do we get it right between us? Only teardrops. Uh, the contest was held in Malmö, as you said, since a euphoric barefoot Lorene won the year before. I guess the trip for you must have been really exhausting. <laughs> did you walk or swim? We uh, we took the bus, I think. Yeah, it was like so close to home. I think we could probably have went home if that's what we wanted to, to Copenhagen. But it was easier just staying at a hotel there. So yeah. we did that for a couple of weeks before the competition. But yeah, and since I'm half Swedish, it just pretty much felt like being at home. <laughs> Can you share some memories of anything that happened behind the scenes in Malmö? What could that be? Um, I remember like the first sound check that didn't go very well. <laughs> Why? Uh, I think I was just nervous, and there was more cameras than at the Danish selection, and they kind of had to stop all the time and try to tell me oh you need to look there and this is how we're doing it but i mean it was only the first rehearsal but it didn't go very well and obviously like fans gets to be there at the rehearsals and oh my god i just remember like twitter and facebook i got i was like tacked in a ton of stuff and they were like oh no like denmark is not gonna win anyways because it went really shitty <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, you guys, it was like the first rehearsal, like, give me a break. And then <laughs> it went fine the next time. Yeah, I think it was just nerves. But yeah, I remember like doing a ton of press and meeting a lot of the other artists. There's like all these parties and um, and where you get to meet some of the other artists one on one. And um, they gave me a lot of chocolate every okay. time which i ate and now when i think about it but they knew i was a favorite and maybe they try to make me look like really fat before <laughs> the final <laughs> they partly succeeded i actually gained a bit of weight i was i was a bit chubby <laughs> for the final because <laughs> i was just like in my hotel room eating all the chocolate that they gave me every evening <laughs> do you remember which countries well everyone really i think it was russia ukraine Ireland, um, who else did I meet? Sweden, <laughs> probably a few <laughs> <Sorry>. more. <laughs> In a previous episode, I talked to a crazy girl, Krista Siegfrieds, who competed for Finland this year. Yes. And she revealed for us that she got this stupid idea to go and bleach her teeth on the day of the final. Oh no, not on the day of the final. Yes. In the morning. That <laughs> it's not a good idea. <laughs> The most important thing for her was to have the whitest smile on stage because she understood that she wouldn't win. Right. <laughs> so I wonder here, did you do anything weird as that? No, I think I was pretty boring those weeks. I just had to stay at the hotel room. I wasn't allowed to go out and party. I know some of the other guys um, did that, but I had to like be careful with my voice and just not drink any alcohol. And I mean, I don't drink much anyways, but, um, but yeah, I just 
try to get my sleep and go early to bed and all that stuff. So it was a bit boring. But yeah, no, I, did, I don't think I did anything crazy other than like eating chocolate. But how <laughs> funny Krista did that. I know Krista. She's so lovely and so funny. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it really stings. I've tried to bleach my teeth a few years ago and that can sting for like a day or two. And yeah, <laughs> it's not comfortable. <laughs> was everyone nice to you and your team? Oh, yes. Everyone was so nice, uh, actually. That's a fun thing. I mean, about your vision, it's really fun to be there. And it's like this bubble and you're all these like different delegations from different countries. And it's always a bit depressing actually after the show i mean i guess not for me <laughs> we were just heading back to denmark and we were like euphoric it was it was so much fun but i i've, I've been to uh eurovision after that uh, as a writer and just uh as a guest and it's there's always like this like sad atmosphere i guess afterwards yeah i guess except for the winner <laughs> the winning team <laughs> but but those weeks before the competition is a lot of fun please tell us about your stage outfit Yes, um, I had two different outfits, one for the Danish selection and another one for uh, Eurovision in Malmö. Yes. And the first dress was like a vintage dress that I got uh, from um, a shop that I always admired. They had really old stuff. So that dress was like a combination of a 1930s uh, nightgown and like a shawl from the 1920s that was like sewn on top of it. So yeah, that was a pretty old dress. <laughs> And for Malmö, I had another dress made, so a new one, by a Greek designer uh, in, like, I think it was, like, ecological cotton or something like that. So it was very comfy, and we kept it, like, very minimal. Why no shoes? I've always uh, sung without shoes. It's just more comfortable, you're more grounded, and also when you get really nervous, which... Most people would be singing in front of 200 million people. It's just, uh, I knew it would be better for me to not wear shoes. Um, but yeah, it was very simple. So no shoes, this kind of nightgown and almost no makeup and just big hair. <laughs> yeah. As a hairdresser myself, I must ask, how many products did you have in your hair? Oh God, it wasn't just products. It was, um, it was a lot of hair extensions extensions sewed on because I've got very typical like fine Scandinavian hair I've been told I have a lot of it it doesn't feel like that but apparently I do but it's very thin so to get it that big I had like three rows of hair extensions uh, sewed on and there's something about extensions it's like you get blind I, I felt like I think I should probably just have went with like one or two rows but I wanted like three rows. And when I look at those pictures, I don't know, I look like a lion. It was definitely too much, but uh, I guess it worked well. And yeah, I was kind of sad I didn't get to wear more makeup. Um, but sometimes I guess for those things, it's like you have one, it's one night and you have three minutes um, to sing your song. And, and sometimes it works if you like overdo things. So my hair was like extra big yeah. and I had to like have no makeup on. Sometimes you have to overdo an image, if you know what I mean, yeah, to yeah. make it work. Like, you can't do it, like, halfway. You have to, like, really do it. So it worked, I think. <laughs> My male gay listeners and Tove Karlsson in Önered wants to know, who was the gorgeous flute guy? Uh, that's a guy called Jacob. He's uh, in Copenhagen Drummers. I wonder if he still is, actually. I think he is. 
So they're like, I think there were five guys at one point four maybe now. They're still doing gigs, but those two drummers I I brought with me were from uh, Copenhagen Drummers, and normally he doesn't play the flute, but he learned that <laughs> for our performance, and I think he did a pretty good job. But yeah, I know that several people were very smitten with him uh, of the Eurovision fans. <laughs> But he's not single. He's actually, I think he's married. He has at least three kids now. So, sorry, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, in any way, he handled the flute very well. He did. According to the betting odds, top five was Denmark, Ukraine, Azerbaijan, Norway, and the Netherlands. I'm your hardest competitor i guess um azerbaijan and ukraine and norway i really loved uh margaret berger's uh song i think she was a top favorite too at some point i really loved that song but um so wait who came second wasn't it azerbaijan yeah and ukraine came third yes and norway norway fourth, fourth? yes yeah so they were right i mean Usually they are, I think. I mean, those betting sides with who's like the favorite, who's going to win. I think usually they're right. Several big international artists competed this year, like Anouk for the Netherlands, Bonnie Tyler for the United Kingdom and Cascada right. for Germany. Yeah. Were you starstruck? Yeah. I mean, of course, I remember Cascada and Anouk and had listened to them and Bonnie Tyler as well. I mean, oh God, Total Eclipse of the Heart is like one of my favorite songs. Yeah, mine too. Oh, it's amazing. It's so powerful. And, but I really liked her song as well that year, actually. And I think it was Desmond Child who wrote that. Yes. It was a pretty yeah. big writer. Yeah. And every time it was on for the rehearsals, I just, I, I loved, I enjoyed listening to that song. it's definitely one of the better songs that uh, the UK has sent within the last few years of course except for the song that I wrote <laughs> <laughs> never give up on you 
which Lucy Jones sang. She did an amazing job. What a singer. Um, yeah. But yeah. And Blue, of course. I don't remember what year they participated. 2011. Yes, that's right. Me, myself, stalked Bonnie Tyler nearly every day. You stalked her? Yes. <laughs> did you get to talk to her? Yes. Was she nice? Yes, she was lovely. She's always mm. lovely. I love that woman. Yeah, she seems very lovely. Yeah. I didn't talk to her. I guess I was too shy. <laughs> I was just like hiding during the rehearsals and like, oh my God, she's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> of the big names, only Anouk took place in the top 10. And bo- both Bonnie Tyler and Cascada got what we can call a Norwegian result. Mm. Ukraine got third, as you said before, Azerbaijan came second and you won. Mm. How happy were you there and then? I was very happy, but I was also very tired. It, it had just been, you know, some really intense months. You know, my whole life had changed. I, I was, I went from working at a bakery and then all of a sudden after winning the Danish selection, you know, all, all these months of preparation before Malmö and recording this entire album and then winning. I mean, it was, I don't remember much afterwards from that night. It was so overwhelming. And, but I was, I was very happy. But yeah, it was it was crazy actually, and it it continued like that for months and months after because I guess it's like I don't know winning Miss World or like Miss Universe, you have to kind of represent your country and you travel to all kinds of like interesting places and also like promote my next single and albums. It was like a crazy year, actually a crazy a couple of years. It just um, continued, and I, I felt like. Um, even after 2014 when Conchita won, I mean, that was such an amazing performance. And again, what a singer, yeah. really great. But um, it's it's no secret that Eurovision is huge also in, in the Eastern European countries. So I went there a lot, of course, Sweden and Germany, where it's really big as well, um, Netherlands, all kinds of places. But uh, I guess, sadly, Conchita wasn't as accepted in the Eastern European countries. So actually after she won, I got a lot of those gigs too, where I went to uh, Eastern Europe again, so it's like I almost got two years, uh, if you know what I mean, just like touring and, and gigging, so it was pretty crazy, um, and I and I was with Universal, the label, until I guess it was like early 2016, late 2015, so yeah, that was some crazy years. <laughs> I remember that you were here in Sweden and sang for the Swedish uh, crown princess on her birthday. Yes, at her birthday and Pride and a few other things. But yeah, that was really fun singing at her birthday. And I, I got to chat to her a bit afterwards and say hello to some of the other members of the royal family. And yeah, that was fun. <laughs> it just hit me. Were you barefoot in the green room as well? I had some cozy socks that I was wearing to keep my so feet no warm. Crocs. No, no Crocs. No. I don't own a pair of Crocs. My mom owns several pairs, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> that was just cozy socks. Was everyone around you happy for your victory or did you notice any sore losers? You mean from like my personal life or like from the contest or both? Um I think uh, everyone was really nice. I mean, my close friends and family was just so supportive. They've always been and they always know that I wanted a career singing and writing music. So they were just really happy for me. But I guess I had a couple of weird experiences, but that was not like close friends. That was maybe like 
weird old like classmates, like whatever people who might even have bullied you slightly, yeah, yeah. and people you hadn't heard from for maybe several years after、uh, finishing school, and then all of a sudden like texting you. I even had an ex-boyfriend who did that as well. Where you're like, really? I mean, I haven't heard from you since forever, and then you want to drink a coffee all of a sudden because you saw my CD. I don't know in a shop. It's like, <laughs> that's weird. So, but I think most people were so nice and supportive. But I, I think it happens. You know, sometimes that I would say that most of the time, I would say when you experience like a sudden success like that, I don't think most artists change. But sometimes people around you change. And that can be a weird experience. And then they were like, "Uh, why are you not replying?" Or it's like, "It's, I mean, I haven't heard from you for years." And also, I guess it's not that I want to be whiny or anything because it was such an amazing experience. But when you win something like that, or when, or if you just have like sudden success, it's, it's incredible, but also like stressful. And and everyone knows that it's like a fleeting moment. It might not continue for a long time. So you have to really. Spend all your time just writing new material, or like traveling, promoting, because you might only have a year or two where you can have this experience, and then, then you only have time for like your really close friends or family because it's so overwhelming. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So there isn't much time for anything else, and also you have like five thousand unreplied emails because everyone is writing to you. So it's not because you don't you want to be mean or anything. It's just you have to really focus on that. So I was like, really caught up in all that stuff for like a couple of years. You mentioned here before that the Danish delegation seemed to have been rather confident that they would win. Yeah. And when the audience left the arena, I remember this very clearly. When the audience left the arena, they were met with a car with a big sign proclaiming Eurovision 2014 and an arrow pointing towards Copenhagen. <laughs> Do you remember this? Someone told me after. I didn't know they were like so sure that we would win. I guess they didn't tell me because they didn't, and I didn't want to jinx anything. I, I wasn't sure at all because. I know I said the bookmakers are often right, but they haven't been every year, and it's like Eurovision. You never know what's gonna happen. So, I wasn't sure at all, but apparently they were, <laughs> and they were like planning like everything, like even like while we were in Malmo, and they were like taking notes and like inspiration for like next year. And I didn't even know about that. They told me afterwards. So, Copenhagen hosted the contest the year after. How was it to be back in the circus again, but not competing? It was more fun actually because there isn't that pressure, so it was really fun to be a part of it again, but without the you know being part of the the contest. I got to do a lot of things actually. I remember we filmed a ton of stuff, and I, I did like this stop motion film where I just had to walk all around Denmark, and they were like filming me, and and then I got to perform my new single Rainmaker. Over the mountains, higher. When you find us, higher over the mountains, higher. When will you find us? Oh, I hear, hear the echo of your drums. It's in your hands, like the rain lands. I feel, feel the power of your song. It's in your call, let the rain fall. That was so much fun with all the water and the dancers and the drummers and 
Um, and this moment, we had this idea where we wanted all the contestants on stage with me at the end, and that happened as well. Um, and got to wear cool outfits, and I actually got to wear makeup this time. <laughs> I got to look like hot. <laughs> <laughs> but you did that in 2013 no, too. Oh I my god, like a yes. Child. No, 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 absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. I thought you were flawless. Really? Yes. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I I guess it's just you know what it's like when you're on camera on TV, you actually need more makeup than you would usually wear, and I was wearing so little makeup and and that hair that made me look like a lion, and I gained on weight, and I had a dress that was like, I don't know, I always wear like more tight clothes, actually. I don't know, I felt like I looked like a tent in that dress. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm always hard on myself, and like when I look back at like old performances, so I'm never satisfied with myself. But, but I thought the year after was like really fun, um, fun to be part of it again. Um, and I guess I was more experienced also. It's also when you're young, everything is so overwhelming and you get stressed out um, very easily. I think I'm much better handling things like that. Uh, I guess it's now, I mean, I guess it's a good thing about uh, getting older and even a year after that, because I just soared and done so many TV gigs and press. So I was like, I felt like a total pro like the year after compared to the year before. But I guess the people also like that, I guess, because I, I, I because I was inexperienced and it was just, you know, I was just being myself, kind of. <laughs> Not to say that I wasn't that, like, the year after, but there's something special about that, like, natural, fresh, you know, when it's, like, your first time performing. And, and I mean, there's something really natural and fresh about that, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you can never recreate that once you get the experience. So, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, in 2017, you were back in the contest, but this time as a composer. Mm. How come you didn't sing the song yourself? Um, are you thinking about uh, the Danish uh, selection or the no, British? No, I'm thinking about uh, Lucy Jones' song. Oh, it's because that same... No, wait, that was a year before. In 2015, I wrote a song for the Danish national selection, which came second, Enya. You're never won the year after and so that was really funny she was in ukraine when i was there with lucy and her team with the bbc so so yeah anya won with her own song the year after but in 2016 i wrote a song for her which came second yes yeah but um sorry what was the question <laughs> <laughs> how come you didn't sing the song yourself um it was a lovely song i i definitely could have recorded and released that but um, I was excited for it to be in the Eurovision and I, I uh, participated in a camp that was um, created by the BBC and, and some of the people I've worked with in Denmark. So um, they did a camp here in Copenhagen where we got to write uh, some songs and, and I, I wrote that with two guys and um, I guess the BBC was really excited about that and they tested a few uh, singers. It was even like a guy I remember playing the guitar on one of the demos. 
but it just worked amazing uh, with Lucy. She's such a, a great singer. So um, that's actually how it happened. And, um, and I just think she had that really like natural fresh quality as well i remember going to um to the live show uh when when she won uh so yeah i was there when she won and that was that was pretty amazing Did you join Lucy Jones to Kiev? I did, yeah. So um, I was there as well in London because I was there for work anyways. And then um, the BBC thought it could be fun if I joined them and Lucy in, in Kiev. And Lucy and I could do some promotion together. And I just thought it was like a lot of fun. I, I, I went to uh, Kiev one time before that for the Junior Eurovision where I was doing some press and a performance as well. So it was fun to be back and... Um, so yeah, I went there, I wonder if it was like for an entire week, I think so. We did a lot of press together, uh, performance together, and and obviously I knew a lot of the Danish media who was there, so we could do something together as well, and um, yeah, that was so much fun. They were incredibly nice, the whole team, and um, yeah, I got to meet Graham Norton as well, because he's part of the team. <laughs> hang out, drink a couple of white Russians. <laughs> I definitely drank too many <laughs> in the bar after the show. And I met him one time before because it was like the 60th uh, Eurovision anniversary in 2015, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess, yes. where he was a host as well, together with... Pietra oh Mieda. Yes. Uh, she's so wonderful. I don't yeah. know why I just forgot her name. I'm just Probably I'm so the funniest woman in Sweden. She's so funny. She did an amazing job hosting the show in 2013. Um, so yeah, that, that was a lot of fun. Would you say that Eurovision both have opened and closed some doors for you career-wise, or has it only been an advantage? I think it's only been an advantage. I mean, of course it closes some doors as well, but it's hard to imagine. I can't imagine what would have happened if I hadn't won. I mean, it's hard to imagine. Because um, I knew that I wanted to write and and, and sing. Um, and I had a plan of like, um, I went to Copenhagen to study at uh, Complete Vocal Institute, which is um, an institute for singers. And I went there uh, for a few months um, before um, participating in the Eurovision. I mean, that's why I moved to Copenhagen. And I had plans on uh, entering the music uh, conservatory as well. But then your vision happened and like I got to travel and I mean, I'm not going to lie. I mean, when you're that young and you get to just like travel the world and perform and you have like dollar signs in your eyes. I mean, there's no way you're going <laughs> to apply for the music conservatory. But that was definitely my plan. And um, but once I could like make a living, you know, of music and, and, and travel and, and stuff like that, it, you know, it, yeah, it didn't happen, but it would have been fun, too. So it's hard to imagine my life if if winning if you know if it hadn't happened but um but of course i mean eurovision is like its own world in a sense and it doesn't work like that that you become like this uh, global star just because you win the eurovision it's it's like its own little thing besides you know next to the regular music um business and 
yeah, it really differs from country to country, I guess. I, like I said, I've been a lot in Germany and Sweden and, and Eastern Europe and all kinds of places. I mean, I even went to the US and China because they showed in China for the first time the year that I won and had some incredible sessions and did some commercials in China and it was like really fun. But like I know, like in the UK, I guess Eurovision is... I know people enjoy watching it, but it's also frowned upon. And even in Denmark, we're not as bad as the UK, but there's definitely some people look down upon it. And yeah, I guess in Denmark, you have to be more, more like indie credible. Even when you look at pop music, we're not as good as Denmark. No, sorry, we're not as good as Sweden and Norway when it comes to pop music. So um, I guess in some places it's, it's looked down upon, but and it will always close some doors. I've had a lot of support from big radio stations after winning and also on my newest singles, but there's definitely some radio stations where you are banned after winning Eurovision because it doesn't matter what music you make afterwards, it's just like an image thing. And yeah, I think it's ridiculous. Um, I don't know why it's like that. Um, I feel like it's not so much other singers and writers and people in the business who are like that. It's more, I guess, the people behind the scenes or like people who might do promotion or work with radio and I guess they don't, they haven't been in the shoes of like us artists or even like our managers or labels, like we're just kind of trying to get by and and write great songs. But I guess they just view, <laughs> view it differently. Like it's more of an, like an image thing. And I think if you have, if you're an artist, you, you know what it's like. It's, it's like a struggle for all of us. Yeah. So like I said before, like, there's sometimes hate from the public or the press or like people who works in the business, but who are not the artists. It could be like other label people, like radio people. Um, I'm definitely not saying everyone is like that. I met some incredible people as well uh, regarding that. But it's we know, like a lot of us artists, that it's like a struggle. So the least we can do is like stick together and not hate on each other because it's hard enough as it is. Have you done more attempts to reach Eurovision? No, I mean, not as an artist, as a writer, it's, um, I think it's fun to be part of the competition still. Uh, I love the Eurovision since I was a kid and I don't want to participate as an artist again because I won the whole thing like in the first try and uh, I'm a bad loser and I wouldn't like participating and then losing. <laughs> I'd like to end on high note, so uh, I won't participate as an artist again, but as a writer, it's it's really um fun to be part of it still and i have been in in, in session and on camps writing for the revision since also since um when i went to kiev but it's been kind of a weird year because eurovision didn't happen last year exactly so i've written a few songs that i think could, could be great for eurovision um but you know a lot of the same artists are participating and they also have a lot of things to say about what songs they're gonna sing so it's harder i guess to get songs in the competition I was I was really close at getting one actually in the Danish selection this year but again it's like the magic match of the right artist and the right song you know that just melts together and I've written a song that I was really excited about but we could not find the right artist we tested a lot of singers and it just wasn't right so um sadly yeah what will happen with that song you think um I think uh, I'll save it for Eurovision next year. But some people actually told me to release it myself. I have other songs that I want to release this year. But who knows? It's uh, it's actually a song that I could sing myself as well. It's just a good pop song. <laughs> what are you doing right now in your life, except talking to me? Yeah, I'm working from home like everyone else. Um, 
I set a studio up in my living room. I have a lot of pillows that I put up to make the sound better and bought a new mic and I've been writing a lot. Actually, yeah, it's crazy. It's been almost three years since I released anything and I was supposed to release something last year, but then COVID happened and it delayed everything. Because right before the lockdown last year, I was kind of ready to present my new stuff to um, possible like collaborators, collaborators, but then lockdown happened. Uh, but in a way, it was good because I got to write even more songs, better songs. And also, so I mean, 2021 will be the year where I'm releasing uh, new music. So um, yeah, I'm just, I have a lot of work in front of me. I'm, I found a great producer that I've worked with uh, online who's in London and he's finishing a third track of mine, then I just uh, need to find someone, uh, you know, a right, a right scene because it's so important. And so I'm, I, I'm really excited about these songs. It's honestly some of the best songs I've ever written and I don't want them to just drown in all the stuff that's released every day, uh, every week, every month. So I want to fi find like the right team to work with. And that's why releasing stuff has also been postponed. And yeah. Maybe I can get something out this summer. I hope so. Great. Looking forward. Yes, me too. Do you have shoes on right now? No, I'm wearing... Wait, I'm wearing, I'm wearing some socks. I'm wearing, like, sports socks. <laughs> like, really big ones. ones. Thank you so much for this funny afternoon, Emily. Thank you. And thanks to you, my equally funny listeners. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Miss Barefoot and me. And if you did, share it with everyone you know, whether they have shoes or not. You can contact me through Eurovision Legends on Facebook and Instagram or write me a mail at emilatschlagervanerna.se. I hope we meet again soon. We're looking forward to hear your new music, Emily. Thank you. Oh,